you know, we are in many ways an interesting, if you will, third way uh, for building out community uh, fiber, uh, neither a traditional telco incumbent way and not a city uh, or city hall uh, driven uh, municipal activity, but to really run as a nonprofit. Hello, this is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Lev Gonick, co founder and CEO of One Community, joins Chris today. This nonprofit has forged an alternative method to better connectivity that does not involve dependence on distant corporate providers. One Community serves anchor institutions, businesses, schools, and local government in the Northeast Ohio area with a community-minded approach. Last fall, they announced the Big Gig Challenge, a call for gigabit project proposals that will incorporate their network. The awards recently announced include grant funding up to 25% of the project costs. In this interview, Lev discusses the Big Gig Challenge, the One Community model, and how industrial Northeast Ohio came to develop its future-proof resource. We bring you the Community Broadband Bits podcast ad-free each week, but we need your support. Please consider contributing to our work. It's easy. Go to ILSR.org and click on the orange Donate button. Every little bit helps. Now here's Chris and Lev Gonick from One Community. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm talking with Lev Gonick, the co-founder and CEO of One Community in Northeastern Ohio. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Lev, you and I will be joined together in a panel soon down in Austin, Texas for Broadband Communities in April. Uh, I, I feel like those panels are always a lot of fun, and I think anyone who's listening to this show, if you're enjoying the the, the relationship and the discussion that we have, uh, you should definitely plan to come down and see us in action live. So um, how do you plan those sorts of things, Lev, when you are putting together a panel like that? Well, while it appears probably to the audience that these are all extemporaneous and just kind of uh, going by the seat of our pants, uh, as you know, uh, Chris, uh, we spend quite a bit of time uh, in banter and conversation before the event, and and the craft the questions that are crafted may come across spontaneous, but they're many of them, at least the initial ones, are, are fairly well uh, scripted uh, because we really want to have a conversation uh, rather than uh, just. Uh, you know, expecting um, an hour of uh, prepared uh, speeches. And, um, you know, over the last many years of, of trying to do this, including at the Broadband Communities Gathering, uh, it's turned into, I think, uh, uh, valuable for the audience, but I think it's equally interesting for, um, for the panelists who keep on coming back for more. Yes, and I just wanted to start the show off that way because, frankly, I, I think it's a really fun uh, panel discussion that we have, and it's definitely not your average one. So, uh, Lev, for people who aren't aware, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, the background of one community, and, and we'll dig, dig into the history, but I'm just wondering more, you know, what are the sort of things that one community does? Sure. Well, one community is a nonprofit a provider of uh, fiber services, including internet services, uh, focused in on Northeast Ohio's broad uh, public benefit ecosystem of hospitals, education, government, museums, libraries. And uh, we've been uh, doing that work in Northeast Ohio uh, as a nonprofit for just over 10 years now. 
Uh, we have uh, about 2,500 route miles and about 2,400 facilities on net. Uh, and, um, you know, we are in many ways an interesting, if you will, third way uh, for building out community uh, fiber, uh, neither a traditional telco incumbent way and not a city uh, or city hall uh, driven uh, municipal activity, but to really run as a nonprofit. And maybe we'll get into that. Yes, I, I definitely want to get into that. And uh, I'm curious how it got started. And, and I believe the first name was One Cleveland because it really came out of a collaboration with a number of entities in Cleveland. So maybe you can tell us uh, how it all began. Sure, and you're exactly right. Uh, back in uh, 2004, a, a group of technologists, uh, CIOs, uh, folks like myself, I had been recruited to Cleveland from the central coast of California, and, and, and while people always, uh, certainly for the first number of years, asked me whether I had my head checked moving from Monterey Bay to Cleveland, uh, you know, I certainly joined a, a really at a really interesting point in time where there was a lot of of talent, technology talent coming from the coast uh, to Cleveland for various reasons, and and we got together with a, a you know a group of uh, sort of civically minded uh, business and economic development leaders, uh, really sort of talking in very broad strokes about the future of Northeast Ohio. And at the time, uh, for your listeners, obviously, uh, you know that that was the definition of the Rust Belt. Uh, that was uh, you know a community that that was hit very very hard. Uh, not only then, but also, you know, the ground zero really of, of the foreclosure crisis, which, which is sort of, you know, four years later, uh, when, when that happened. So, uh, really our, our question was, was in very broad strokes. You know, what could the technology community do to contribute to the reimagining and the redevelopment and hopefully the reinvigoration of the region? And, and one of the initiatives, uh, that, um, I had, uh, advocated for was actually thinking about, uh, Architect, you know, designing, architecting, building, operating, and managing a next-generation fiber optic network, which would, I at least asserted, allow us to, you know, be in the driver's seat in terms of blueprinting our collective future here in the region, um, in a way that would be analogous to, uh, you know, many other sort of historical moments in time when public investment was made or community investment was made. Uh, in you know charting roads or ports or waterways uh, and things of that sort. So let me ask you about the the nuts and bolts um, because you're you know you're a high level person but you're also a nuts and bolts kind of guy from everything that I've been able to tell. You know, kind of like we just recently did an interview with with Elliot Noss of Ting uh, sure. and Two Cows and you know he, I met you and through a lot of the same sort of circuits of people that were really concerned about the open internet and expanding access. So. Uh, you know, I've gotten to know you better than I know many of the the guests on the show, and uh, and I'm just curious. You know, one community is a nonprofit, um, but you know, what exactly does it do? Sure. Well, um, you know, we have grown from you know one Cleveland when we were only based in Cleveland to now touching 24 counties in Northeast Ohio. Uh, we, uh, with public support, most of it through the stimulus fund. Um, have built out a, a very robust next-generation network. We now have subscribers to the network, uh, almost all of healthcare in Northeast Ohio, most of education, uh, certainly almost all of higher education. Uh, most, many of the counties um, use one community 
for uh, their uh, broadband needs, um, everything up to, and maybe we'll get to this as well, some uh, you know, really exciting multi-gig uh, kinds of network needs um, that are being deployed here in the region. And you know, we are today self-sufficient um, and self-reliant on subscriber fees uh, who make, uh, you know, who make one community their internet service uh, platform for their needs, uh, not only to the internet, but also to their data centers and even their dark fiber needs that they have. And you've often worked in cooperation with all the other providers in the area, if I remember correctly. I mean, we're not just talking about the, the usual suspects of the local companies that are willing to work together, but you've also worked with a lot of the biggest companies in the, in the nation, I believe. Right. I mean, I, I think what we've managed to do here is, uh, again, I'll come back to this notion of the third way, uh, you know, because we do have a, a public benefit mission, um, you know, we have, and yet we aren't kind of, uh, you know, those people in city hall, uh, we have managed to craft uh, relationships uh, that are informed largely by pragmatics that uh, drive much of the telecommunication industry. And um, that means in very practical terms uh, that, uh, you know, we bid uh, for customers uh, using uh, other telecommunication providers uh, infrastructure we team with uh, competitors that have them help us with last mile activity when it makes sense for the customer. Uh, we actually have what we call type two uh, network uh, services, which in fact means that some of our route miles of fiber are actually on a competitor's uh, <laughs> a lit fiber service because it's actually uh, you know ends up being a better cost model for for our customers. And yes, uh, you know in and significant number of cases we're dealing with the top tier telecom providers uh national providers uh, as well as uh you know folks who uh, you know specialize in regional regional fiber um and so again i think for those of us who operate networks uh while i think we all imagine perhaps uh, the in general terms that somehow uh, we might own uh the network end to end in practical terms that's actually not economically viable uh, for most of us, and uh, in fact, unless you're AT&T, uh, which really is singular in the way it approaches its network build, given just how deep the pockets are, uh, everyone else actually operates in a manner consistent with what I've just outlined. One of the reasons that we pick now to have you on, because I've always I've always wanted to have you on as a guest, is there's a, a big contest you've just announced the winners for, and I believe it's the Big Gig Challenge. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've had a series of really fun announcements at the end of the year and now just at the beginning of the new year here. Uh, you know, we started with an announcement uh, uh, with a grant that we actually received with the city of Cleveland for deploying um, a 100-gig network in, in a commercial use. Um, and then we turned around and actually had a, a reverse um, um, uh, grant opportunity where we actually asked the uh, – some 80 cities that are in our footprint, uh, if they would be interested in one community investing in their city uh, on a, in a partnership basis uh, to actually help them build fiber um, and together uh, use that fiber for whether it was economic development purposes um, or whether it was you know their municipal operations um, or actually trying to uh, help advance uh, you know. Uh, 
an anchor institutions uh, work in in that community. So yes, uh, we ran a, a process uh, through the fall. Um, in, in many ways, uh, you know, we were inspired by uh, at least what uh, Google managed to pull off uh, when it went national with uh, making its its a call for uh, expressions of interest and having Google invest. And while we had effectively a dollar forty nine to invest as opposed to Google's money, uh, you know, we did actually get almost two dozen cities uh, responding with a letter of intent. Uh, in the fall, and uh, then we worked through a process with them, including detailed engineering work and economic development and business plans. And uh, r- literally uh, just uh, earlier uh, uh, this week, we actually announced our, our four winners, which are geographically diverse. Um, and also, I have to say, uh, quite interesting um, uh, in terms of opportunities for both uh, the, the communities that are involved uh, as well as uh, one community's interest in co-investing. Um, and, I, and I think it's a really um, a series of win-wins uh, out there. Uh, the cities themselves uh, are uh, thrilled to be joining uh, the national uh, gig fiber work that is uh, clearly uh, you know, being led uh, by yourself and, uh, and others in the community uh, who are working on trying to extend gig fiber into the municipal space. Uh, and at the same time, uh, very practically, very pragmatically, you know, there are uh, economic development zones. Uh, there are, uh, which uh, for folks who've perhaps been to Cleveland, one of our most famous landmarks is the West Side Market, uh, which is a, a great farmer's market. Uh, it has proven to be a magnet for uh, microbreweries and a whole revitalization of a very tough part of town. Um, and they, as a community, came together and were um, one of our successful uh, grant recipients to build up uh, fiber uh, right through the West 25th uh, corridor um, all the way to one of our anchor institutions, which is the public uh, hospital in, in the city called Metro Health. So that's just kind of one example, uh, and it includes you know, some of the marquee um, local brands, uh, including you know, the Great Lakes Brewing Company, which everybody who's listening has to try at least sometime in their life. Well, we will encourage them to. What um, what what were some of the lessons? I mean, I'm curious. Working with two dozen cities on these kinds of networks, you know, is there anything that surprised you in terms of what motivated the cities to to get involved with this challenge? Well, I'd start by saying, Chris, that you know we're not uh, generally. I think we don't perceive ourselves as kind of a hotbed of high tech and uh, next generation networks uh, that, as a community. Uh, I think we very much embrace our industrial and manufacturing past. And so for a lot of the cities, uh, this was kind of, I've heard it you know, from my other mayoral colleagues or other people in the economic development world across the country who are working with networks. And so uh, for a lot of folks, this was the, the first opportunity uh, to use our dollars, one community's dollars uh, as seed uh, for conversations inside uh, their own communities and, and city halls and uh, regional planning facilities. Um, uh, even, for example, you know, one, of, uh, one of the metro parks, uh, which is, we have a fantastic uh, park system, you know, managed to mobilize conversations on, you know, on the future of the, of the Emerald Belt uh, that we have here, um, even uh, you know, just because they were sort of saying, you know, we have a chance to work with one community um, on on this kind of an activity set. So I would, you know, to answer your question, I think a lot of what uh, you know went on in the convening sessions that we had uh, was we actually brought clusters of the prospective participants together 
And after they introduced themselves and we kind of reviewed kind of the state of the program, most of the many hours that were spent together were with them talking to each other about, you know, very local contextual issues. You know, how do you folks deal with tax increment funding? I think, could you imagine using, uh, you know, that source or public bond financing or, you know, so there were lots of creative conversations going on where the, the grant act, the grant itself was, I'm sure, for many folks, uh, a desirable endpoint, but the actual journey uh, and the conversations and the engagements uh, between folks, I think, uh, will have much longer-term uh, value, which we hope in our next round of, of Big Geek Challenge, uh, we'll see you know, even greater collaboration, which, of course, is what the network you know, purports to be able to support. And speaking of your your next round, one one of the things I'm curious about is if I was the governor of Ohio and I was saying, Lev, you're doing such a great job. How can we help you? What would you say to me? Well, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, it would be wonderful if uh, the governor of Ohio, who has been enormously supportive of Next Generation Networks, he is, uh, as a Republican, one of the only Republican governors that I know, I'll say singularly the only Republican governor that I know who's actually put his money where his mouth is when it comes to next generation networks. He built out a a statewide 100 gig network backbone uh, for public benefit. Um, And he has also collapsed um, a a lot of uh, government contracts into uh, a public network uh, for general service use. So uh, Governor Kasich. Uh, you know, really gets the IT space. I would say to him, Governor, it's time to actually do what Connecticut is doing. It's time to use the state um, really as an opportunity uh, to convene uh, and create truly a, a, a statewide plan for deploying next generation networks and uh, using, you know, the convening authority of the state uh, to encourage uh, both the incumbent players, uh, the nascent uh, new entrants into the marketplace and, and all the other prospects uh, into you know really delivering uh, next generation network to the seventh largest uh, populous state in the nation. One of the things I want to make sure we touch on is you know one of the things I really like about you, Lev, is that being someone located in the Midwest, um, as I am as well, you know we don't get a lot of respect on the coast. People are more likely to laugh about our cities, I think, than take us seriously. But you've you've developed some real pride in the Cleveland area, and so I'm curious, as someone who's given this a lot of thought and cares deeply about it. What can a city like Cleveland do, given its very real fiscal worries and things like that, uh, to make sure that it's 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 having the the connectivity that it needs? Yeah, I mean, I, I have thought, written, spoken, and you know, every day I spend time talking and and and, and working with uh, the community to to try to move from a deficit. Um, oriented view of the world to to uh, I would call it you know an asset or surplus uh, view of taking advantage of all the assets that we have and in particular uh, you know where we're at right now we and I just had a blog uh, a posting that uh, was was put in the business uh, newspaper which is Cranes uh, Cleveland uh, you know on on a strategy for the new county government uh, here. Uh, to specifically take a look at the role of the leverageable assets that they have uh, to advance uh, next-generation broadband and open data, which in my mind actually are really two very important and inter, uh, interrelated activities, especially for, for county government. In the city's context, interestingly enough, 
Cleveland uh, is uh, has the, one of the largest uh, city-owned uh, public utilities, Cleveland Public Power, uh, and I, I have been working uh, to both educate myself and uh, to help educate uh, folks uh, both in the banking community uh, and in in city utilities on the opportunity to again follow uh, really important precedents that have been set set down across the country, and perhaps most notably in terms of headlines by Chattanooga. Uh, but obviously there are many, many, many other communities that are, are leveraging their public utilities. But, you know, a city the size of Cleveland uh, f- for, uh, you know, that scale really gives us a, a real um, need to think much, a very large challenge in terms of the tens of millions of dollars that will be required to deploy next generation networks. And, and the city uh, has huge assets uh, like Cleveland Public Power, poll rights, uh, you know, a, a very skilled labor force uh, of folks who, you know, who, who know how to uh, work uh, the polls. Um, and uh, I would sort of say also a, a really important Midwest work ethic of can do. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's slow, it's slow moving, but, uh, you know, with a, a new county government and with, uh, you know, continued support. Uh, the city of Cleveland uh, and its economic development team and the mayor's office have been supportive. Um, but uh, as everyone who will be listening, and I know you, Chris, you know, you know, um, city mayors have uh, you know 101 uh, you know uh, priority ones they have to attend to, and and in Cleveland, uh, you know, truth be told, you know, the Department of Justice findings and the challenges we've had. Uh, in uh, our public safety community, you know, have consumed large cycles of time, and uh, and you know we're just going to have to wait. Hopefully tonight, uh, as we speak, President Obama will hopefully uh, help elevate our our vistas and hopefully the vistas of our mayors to to look over the the hill as to you know the art of the possible and and hopefully uh, in, encourage the cities to to start thinking about ways that they can leverage their assets. I think that makes sense, and and it's their words of wisdom. People should heed um, the uh, the history of Cleveland for people who aren't aware. Uh, Mayor Tom Johnson, who I believe is responsible for that public utility, um, you know, there's there's a, a great history back there, and I think that if he was with us today, uh, he would certainly be be moving ahead in this direction and recognizing that the city has to solve its own problem locally. So thank you so much for coming on the show, telling us something about one community. Um, and, uh, and I would like to have you on longer, but I know that we promised not to take your whole day up. So, so thank you. Thanks, Chris, for your interest. And actually, as uh, we've shared when we were off air, I also want to say thanks for everything that you and your organization do. We have several stories about one community on muninetworks.org. Be sure to check them out. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at communitynets. Please take a few moments to donate to ILSR.org to help us continue this valuable service. We want to thank Person for the song Blues Walk, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening. <laughs>